that part of action, like the reconciliation action is the part I really focus on in my understanding because we can say a lot of things and people can come to a lot of discussion tables. But if you're actually not doing the stuff, all it is is going to be talked about and forgotten, possibly. Acknowledge that we are doing this work in Treaty 6 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Dene, Soto, and other Indigenous peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Through this work, we hope to reaffirm our treaty relationships with each other and remind ourselves to live into the treaty values of respect, friendship, and justice. Today we're going to talk with Angela Daniel, a proud urban Métis woman born and raised in Saskatoon with roots to Isla Cross and Outlook, Saskatchewan. She has a passion for community development and advocacy and peacemaking. Her 13-year social work career has focused on community and relationship building, mainly in the not-for-profit sector. In the last three years, she has followed her father's footsteps to work for the Saskatoon Police Service, helping strengthen relations between the community and the service as their Indigenous Relations Consultant. She is an active member of the Anti-Racism Network, Reconciliation Saskatoon, and other community-led committees. I know Angela from facilitating blanket exercises together. And as we sat down together, I realized how much I love this woman. I feel like we have the same heart and soul. Ben, what stood out to you in our conversation? I really appreciated Angela's perspective her story, her history, and a lot of the things that she had to say. I think what's going to be important for our listeners to take away on this one, for me at least, uh, is to think about how we sit with each other's truth or sit with each other's story. You know, I think this comes to one of the the things that I always was taught kind of growing up is to listen to or the importance of listening to understand versus listening to respond. And I think that kind of comes through a little bit in this in this podcast. And I thought that was a really important uh, perspective to take away from from her and from her experiences. Yeah, and one of those perspectives I really um, appreciated was her talking about how 
There is intergenerational trauma within her family and how that has impacted her personally. I felt like she really described the impact of that well, and I want our listeners to listen to that as well. That's awesome. All right, as we turn over to Angela, we asked her the following questions. We asked her to tell us about herself, to tell us about her personal understanding of reconciliation, what experiences have led to this understanding, why reconciliation is important, does forgiveness have a role in reconciliation, why or why not, and ultimately, how would she invite people into the journey of reconciliation? Let's have a listen. My name is Angela Daniel. So to introduce myself uh, starting off, I'd like to say always that I'm born and raised here in the homeland of the Métis and this Treaty 6 territory of Saskatoon. I am Métis Ukrainian descent and I have ties to Isla Cross and Fort Black as well as Outlook, Tway and Tarnopol, Saskatchewan. So my family roots run long here in this province. I'm the middle daughter of three girls raised by a nurse and a police officer. So my dad was one of the first Métis police officers here with the Saskatoon Police Service. And my mom was in long-term care for most of her career. I'm a daughter of a day school residential school survivor, which is hard to say. Um, I have a passion for human service work and social justice. And so I went into the field of social work, focusing a lot on nonprofit work, and then uh, stepping into working with the Saskatoon Police Service as their Indigenous Relations Consultant here for the last three years. I am an auntie, a sister, a daughter, a friend, and a proud pet mom. And I like to spend a lot of my time out in nature and working on art and reading and writing. And I really appreciate deep conversations, so I was really just thankful for the invitation to this because I think there was a lot of important questions being asked here and getting a lot of different perspectives on them can really generate further conversations. So thank you for having me here. My personal understanding of reconciliation is really that very personal because Métis people to me are like a part of maybe reconciliation. You've got settler roots and you've got indigenous roots and somehow we've become this unique people's out of it. So I sat with that for a while and I really reflected on it and and to me my personal understanding of reconciliation is that we need to really sit with each other's truths. And sometimes I think we're so quick to find solutions and really reconciliation is sometimes having to sit through that hard stuff and listening to everybody's stories and honoring those truths by giving space to them. So I'm really about listening and being empathetic to those truths. I might not know that experience myself, but I can give space to that. And I really like um, Dr. Willie Irmine. He talks about ethical space. And to me, that's, I think, probably where it sparked my understanding of reconciliation because you need to move into that ethical space together, all parties. You can't just sit in our own comfort zone or our own space and just say, oh, we're going to reconcile from here, but under my terms. And sometimes I feel like organizations can, can do that a little bit. They can say, it's just reconciliation, but within this, this box. And I think it's really about taking apart all the boxes and moving into that kind of messiness of that space in between them all and really just honoring one another, listening to one another 
and then finding those those areas that we can move forward in together. So I think we have to keep engaging and actively collaborate, which can be tough for a lot of folks, especially if there is trauma and if there's hurt. But I always look to our, to our wise people, our old people who always say, do it in a good way. So how do we move forward in a good way? And it's all of us together. I think everybody deserves space within the circle. So my understanding is that reconciliation involves all of us. And we were always taught it's meant to be that circle. It's not meant to be ones higher than the other. No matter what your understanding of those, the topic like reconciliation is, it's just about showing up all together and sitting all together kind of as one. So I think you require equity to make that space happen. So when we're talking about conversations around anti-racism and equity work, I think that goes hand in hand with if we are actually to truly do honest, true reconciliation, you have to have that a part of it. I think my understanding of reconciliation, my personal experiences probably started right from childhood. Like growing up being that middle daughter, <laughs> you're in amongst the fights with the youngest and the oldest all the time. And my parents were really, really open about being aware that you have to treat others how you want to be treated. And just really took that to heart around sort of how would I want to be in this situation if someone was approaching me. And I think that was just, that's kind of always been a sort of, I guess, a foundational experience and seeing my parents emulate that so it wasn't just words it was always they would do things often just in the background they're not looking to make a name for themselves or things like that it was just helping out each other or coming together if someone was suffering or needed some help that they they would just step in and do whatever you needed to do so I think it was always that part of action like the reconciliation action is the part I really focus on in my understanding because we can say a lot of things and people can come to a lot of discussion tables but if you're actually not doing the stuff all it is is going to be talked about and forgotten possibly so we really need to I think as the generations moving forward out of out of the pain stuff that's gone through that we need to honor our ancestors and move that stuff forward they came to tell pretty hard truths and some of them haven't even been able to speak their truths. So I think we need to honor that and move forward with, with action. When I sat with this question, my cookum came to mind right away. Growing up, we'd go up to Isla Cross, and my dad had 14 brothers and sisters, so we were related to practically the whole town, the whole village. And watching my cookum in her small kitchen but it was just like a revolving door of people either asking for guidance or just wanting to chat and have some tea. Or when it came to supper, it was like whoever needed to eat just came in. And I think those experiences of just sitting with people, building that relationship, having that kinship of just an open door policy, you, you're healing each other and she always had this quiet way about her that just sort of let you feel comfortable sharing 
And I think creating that space, she was just a real gentle spirit and she just didn't matter who it was or what they were going through, she just opened that door. So to me, that's sort of how I look at reconciliation is that I have a responsibility to keep my door open too, as tough as it is. We have to keep coming to that table, even if we're tired or we feel different about it that day, just, just to show up. I have an aunt too that we grew up, she had faced some, some difficulties with her health and ended up having a brain aneurysm and a stroke in her early 30s and watching the world treat her differently and not fully understanding sort of what she's gone through, but just making assumptions or maybe we'll give you services for your disability, but only if you kind of fit within the square. That's what always really kind of brought me back to like, who makes these rules? Like, why are there boundaries around these things when it should be we approach each person with the openness that they're unique and their experiences are unique, so we should... Um, honor that in our in our reconciliation as well. I've traveled a lot, lived overseas in a few different places, and I think that really helped my personal growth around it was the broadening view of different experiences based on where you're born or what you've gone through just by nature of where where you just happen to live. And and the effects that can have so just even Understanding the similarities between folks that have had refugee lived experiences and then for our Indigenous ancestors here, you're starting to see so many commonalities around the effects of colonization and stuff. So it's like we're actually a lot more similar than media or things are trying to tell us that are always trying to polarize us. So it's like if we actually get to know each other on that deeper level, we can actually come together through those similarities and find a good way to move forward together. I really look to young people, like especially little kids. I think they're just like little geniuses when it comes to relationship building and hope. And I think they see the world through positivity and different perspectives of they haven't maybe had the the social conditioning that we have all as adults have received that we think things aren't achievable or we can't do or we'll never get there. Kids just think they can do it all and and so I think being around those young spirits helps me stay energized for the work you do because it can be tiring and it can be exhausting in what we do and sometimes it does feel like you may never get there but I think you're I always talk to a friend, we're always moving the rock a little bit further down the hallway that it will hopefully then not be one day in the hallway. And so I'm hoping we're moving it so that those future generations can come with that, that much more energy and understanding of one another and just get that rock right out of the way. So yeah, those are kind of some of the experiences that I've had that I think shape shape my understanding or reconciliation. I think there's probably no other way but reconciliation. I think as peoples, we can see what happens when we pull apart from each other. 
and we breed misunderstandings or we choose to ignore other people it's and the world actually the earth everything connected like if we don't actually look at reconciliation as something that's actionable and actually brings us together and we hold accountability to not only our other people but our animals our planet generations to come i think we're, we're going to be in deep trouble so to me reconciliation brings us together it invites us to come together into that space to share truths and i know i've said it before just to move forward in a good way we can't obviously alter our past but we can ensure the future is different and improved, especially for all those that have been harmed by past actions. Reconciliation is about confronting those systems and really pulling back that curtain that thinks that we can't change the way things are doing. I think that's probably one of the biggest lies is that people think they can't change what's happened. We created that, so I think we can also have an opportunity to rebuild and do it differently. I think reconciliation helps us build those authentic relationships with one another because we're both, we're all sort of coming to the table with our sharing. The biggest part I, when I talk to people is like, I'm learning too. I'm an urban uh, Métis woman and I have to unpack all the stuff all the time because when I'm thinking about reconciliation, I'm thinking, about my roots and my Ukrainian settler roots, my indigenous Métis roots. I'm thinking about my dad as a survivor, like all these things you have to keep unpacking and some days it's easier than others. And so I think it's, it's really about those relationships where you can actually be real with one another and real raw and messy and angry and sad and happy and all of those things, and I, I think that's where we're actually gonna get down to a foundation where we can build something differently. I think so many things want us to polarize, and reconciliation is one thing that I think actually talks and what I hold the belief of actually pulling us together. Forgiveness is a loaded word. I was raised Roman Catholic. My roots of my Métis roots are strong Catholic influence over them. And so when you talk about forgiveness, that's a very rooted word, a lot in religious constructs. But then as I've sort of journeyed and listened to people talk about forgiveness in these multitudes of levels, I, I realized that, I, yeah, like I believe it, it does have a role in reconciliation only because I'm very much reminded by my dad and other survivors who have talked about forgiveness as something to help heal self. And they're not looking to forgive those big systems or the priests or the residential school teachers or the nuns or they're looking to do it so that they can heal the wounds that they have. And I don't know if anyone's ever talked about this in other ones, but that intergenerational impact and those effects and that trauma, I have to learn to forgive more because I sit with a lot of anger a lot of the time and I don't have a clue who I'm angry at. And 
knowing the snippets that my dad has shared with me about his own experiences and we get very little snippets and we honor whatever he will uh, share with us. You get that fire in your belly. You picture your relative as a child and so you get that anger and yet you have no clue what to do with it. When I was thinking about it, it's like you have to forgive yourself for feeling that too and it's okay to be angry and even though you don't know where that anger goes and you have to forgive others and you have to forgive systems because again as a Métis person you've got those settler roots in you that have promoted that colonization and and stuff and then you have your indigenous roots and you know there's been harms against them and trying to basically eradicate them so you're trying to always even in the foundation of your genes to find sort of that that middle road. So I think forgiveness is like really about sort of finding that peace with the past but staying present in this moment and I think that's what motivates me to build a a healed future for our generations to come, for myself, for my dad, you know, giving that space that he can share those things and and that he can talk about because I, I talk a lot about with him about the church and just sort of like, how, how do you still go to church? Because he goes to church still very faithfully. And I, I, I always say, like, how do you go? Like, how do you go and sit knowing those were the people or that was the institution that ran the schools that you went to? And he says, it was the people that chose that, not the faith that I believe in that did that. So he believes in something greater than the institution itself and those schools and whatever. So... I am inspired by those wise people and those survivors because they've found something in forgiving what's happened and they move forward in a way that shares that knowledge with us and those experiences, but also motivates us to make sure that doesn't happen again and that we can still come to tables and talk about those things and move forward. So I always say we can forgive, but we can never forget. And that to me is how we can actively work on reconciliation, is that we're always never going to forget it, but we can forgive and keep coming to those tables as all different people from different backgrounds. And if we're ready to engage, then... Let's go, because sitting off by ourselves, being angry at the world isn't going to get anything done. I would invite people into a reconciliation journey just as authentically as I could be. Like, I know it's a truth and reconciliation, especially around our calls to action and listening to those truths around that time. It's heartbreaking and it's sad and it's tough. And I think some people, our emotional intelligence is not something that's really promoted or built up. And so I think a lot of people, if it's hitting you in your heart and you don't know how to process that, you're going to recoil from it. And so I find a lot of folks and a lot of friends that are non-Indigenous having those conversations, they're like, it's so painful. And I was like, it is painful, but we have to sit through it. And I said, sometimes it's holding each other's hand or crying through it or taking a break, taking a breath and and coming back to the table. So I invite people always with like 
only can speak from my own perspective. So what I try to tell people is that I just come with an open mind and an open heart and that we're all learning on this journey. So I would never sit next to someone and say, well, I'm an expert in this and you should be 10 steps ahead of where you are already. And that is not how I was rooted or taught. And and going back to my my cook'em and stuff, it was always about showing you and so sometimes it's sitting with people and showing them or saying, come with me, walk with me on this walk for reconciliation or, you know, come with me to the table, we'll go together. Um, it's, we can say a lot of things of where we think people, especially settlers, I think sometimes people are like, it's time for them to do some action and I get it. but. We also have to make, again, that space where we feel they can enter into and have those questions and make those mistakes or not know things or we're all finding our way out of this mess. We can either do it together or keep spreading it further apart. So I think it's, it's again, that open, honest sharing, explaining that we're all in it together. Building relationships, trust and kinship to me is absolutely the foundation so that if people feel fearful or uncertain about what uh, reconciliation even is or whether that's a journey they want to go on and I do this a lot in my work I work in a very strong institution and so I think sometimes we're not sure so we're not even going to take the step because of the uncertainty or the risk and it's really about we're going to take that risk and we might make mistakes and we might trip over ourselves but we're gonna keep going. And to me, that's how you start to build that momentum and strengthen sort of what you're really wanting to focus on. Yeah, it's just all learning together. I think Reconciliation Saskatoon talked about like, uh, listen, learn and show up or something like that. Those to me were like some of the best foundational things to begin with. You can just come and sit and listen. You don't feel like you have to share. Just come and listen. And that, to me, means a lot to voices that have never been heard or been told that they don't get value to be heard. It means a lot to sit together and, and be able to have people um, listen from you and learn from you. And, and then I can also listen and learn from them. So that's kind of where I would invite people in is is those first step and I'll be there right alongside them. I believe that always the squeaky wheel gets the grease so I believe in these conversations that they won't go away and I'll keep bringing them to the table and if that avenue doesn't seem to appeal to us well then what? And so that the conversation doesn't just get to end at oh I don't think that's the direction we want to go okay good because there's a thousand other directions we can talk about which one do you want to talk about and so it's sometimes having to kindly disrupt (laughs) the systems that are always set up to let's just keep the status quo and I think we need to have voices internally in those systems and external voices all saying the same thing that status quo isn't working anymore and we're not gonna let it just stay there. And so we're gonna choose some changes. Which ones do we wanna take first? So that here's the choice, it's not just yes or no, it's which one are we gonna start with first and start to keep that conversation going and going and going until those things start to change. It's 
exhausting, I think it can be in systems, and I think we really need to look after one another that are doing those kind of work within big structures and systems because I think people can easily burn out or feel like we talked a little bit, I think that we feel like we're sometimes the only voice that's actually doing those things in different systems. And so we have to encourage and support one another and kind of almost build allyship across all those institutions. So then we're saying, well, it's not only us, it's also this and this and this. So then people are starting to say, oh, well, if we don't do it, then we're going to look like we're not doing it along the alignment of others. So it's really just trying to work smarter, not harder. <laughs> so just trying to like really move it together. A friend of mine, she had sent me an email and she had a quote at the bottom. If I could just read that quote, it's Justice Marie Sinclair from the TRC, which is, he's now a Senator, Marie Sinclair. But he said, the road we travel is equal in importance to the destination we seek. There are no shortcuts. When it comes to truth and reconciliation, we are forced to go the distance. It just resonated with me. She just happened to respond to an email a couple days ago when I was working on some notes for this podcast. And I thought, it's so true. Like, we're sometimes so quick to want to say, okay, we did that. Okay, we did that. Okay, we did that. And check all those boxes. But it's actually this long road of generations. And so, again, it's staying steady to what we're doing and trying not to just think we have to complete it all within a year or half a year or whatever. And our systems and workplaces, I think, sometimes like to set those goals because it looks good fiscally to do it in six months or whatever. But again, it's bridging that understanding that these things are lifelong, generational, long roads we're journeying on. So we need to stay engaged and keep going and keep learning and keep understanding from one another on a long road, not just a quick little shortcut. So I really appreciated that quote from him. And that, my friends, was Angela Daniel. Thank you so much, Angela, for sharing your story with us today. You know, I really appreciated um, how Angela talked about, you know, there's no other way but reconciliation. And it made me think a little bit about uh, Palmer Becker's work on what it means to be an Anabaptist Christian uh, and how reconciliation is the center of our work. And so in a similar way, in a similar thinking, I think I liked how she talked about reconciliation as something that we need to be doing actively all the time. And it is a part of what we do every day, no matter what we're choosing reconciliation. So I thought that was really great. The other thing that I loved how she talked about just the part of reconciliation is, is for us to come to listen, learn and show up. I thought that was really, really important invitation for us in our journey of reconciliation. So I hope that folks are, as they listen to this podcast, they're listening and learning and they're finding ways to show up for our Indigenous brothers and sisters and to do the good work of reconciliation in our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when she was talking about like the longevity um, of reconciliation, like how we just need to keep going and working at this. It reminded me of season one where Spurgeon Root was just like, we just got to keep going. And I think like that can be disheartening for some people, but in some ways it can also be refreshing like that. We just, we're just going to keep doing this. We're just going to keep doing it and learning how to do it better and better and better. And I think Angela talked about that as well. She talked about this like idea of coming to the table a lot. And I, I, 
think that like for her, that's more than just a metaphor. It's like, actually we need to be in the same space. We need to be coming together. We need to be sitting and drinking tea and having meals together at the table. And, and there needs to be lots of us. So let's just build like so many tables so that we can all be there together. And I loved how she told us to kindly disrupt the systems, the systems we know that are, have this colonial influence still, um, because that is also like a really essential piece of reconciliation. We've heard that many times as well. Oh, it was a, it was a great conversation. It was a great conversation. And I just had like an epiphany, a thought, you know, I was thinking about tables and I'm thinking about communion. And how in, you know, in our Anabaptist context or the Christian context, we talk a lot about a table being set, right? And so again, I'm thinking about what is the invitation for people to sit around the table? Well, the table is a reconciliatory act as well in a certain way, right? Uh, the bread and the wine. So I just, oh, I, I just like this vi- vi- this image of the table. I think it's beautiful. And it's something that we really need to consider as we um, work through reconciliation as a church and as in society. Yeah. How do we bring those institutions to a table? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Hmm. Lots for us to think about. I would like to thank Matthew Hildebrand for editing this episode. Ben Bourne for hosting with me, Angela for having that conversation with us, and Mennonite Church Saskatchewan for providing funding for this project. Subscribe to our podcast to hear more conversations on reconciliation. This has been Reconcile, Everyday Conversations, a podcast from Mennonite Central Committee Saskatchewan. Thanks for listening.